The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. I'd bet that you know a lot about my guest today already. She's a family woman first. She cares deeply about giving back. And from news to entertainment, she truly does what it takes to get the job done. I can remember being a camera woman in Toronto and being down at the courthouse and trying to get into a scrum and nobody would let me in. So I would crawl underneath all the men's legs and pop up in the middle of the scrum to be able to get my shot, you know? And I I remember it being, oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. People were supportive, but I was always looked at and I know, I knew it. Oh, look at that. They're cute. I was like, no, making people happy. That's my thing. Making people connect over something positive. That's my thing. Although she's a big name in Canadian television, there is still so much to learn about my guest today, Cheryl Hickey of ET Canada. I know you're busy. We're in the middle of another lockdown here in Ontario. How are you finding juggling all the things, the family and the work? Right now, as we talk, I was literally running into the kids' room and being like, okay, listen, stay on your Zoom. If you run into any troubles, ask your brother. Unless the house is burning down, just don't come in. (laughs) So it's one of those things that, you know, I I don't know. Every day is changing. Um, We're just trying to keep it light and as fun as possible and you know be grateful for what we do have instead of the things that we don't yeah and right off the top i actually wanted to mention to you i i super respect how real you're keeping it on your instagram it's not just celebrities and and all as well you're you're sharing a lot about what's going on in your life thank you yeah it was a it's funny i you know on and off over the years um i've shared bits here and there and i think um through et canada a lot of it is 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 made to look really perfect right i mean that's it's entertainment it's flashy it's hollywood celebrity it's all that stuff um but it was stressful for me not to be the real me and and do all of that and that was one thing and uh i'm starting to talk about a little bit more i really struggled with um uh the whole perfect thing that was really actually really really hard and and stressful so um especially over this last year it's just been so much easier to be honest about things especially when things are not going great um in our family it's easier if I disappear for a few days off of insta story or I'm not posting as much you can gather that maybe there's some tough stuff going on um so if I'm open and honest about that I feel less pressure you know Got you. So I'm also a grad of uh, Fanshawe's broadcast journalism program. And our our profs used to talk about you all the time. So it's very uh, funny and full circle for me to be talking to you right now. Ah. (laughs) I think it was just recently you posted a photo uh, holding one of those little recorders out in the rain. Um, Tell me about the beginning of your career. Did you always think you wanted to end up in entertainment news? You know, I, I can remember being really, really young in our living room and I had like a little recorder. And I said to my mom, I just want you to hear me sing. I'm just going to sing. And I sang Whitney Houston to her. And she was like, amazing. <laughs> and I could tell on her face, she was like, you can't sing. <laughs> and I, but I was always fascinated with the microphone. And I always watched my parents watching Barbara Walters and watching big interviews and stuff. And by nature, I'm a very chatty person. I am very curious about everything. And so one summer, um, you know, my dad was like, you can't just go to Sable Beach 
and lay and, you know, lay in the sun and go to the dunes parties at night. You need to do something. So he took me up to um, the cable station because there had been an ad. They were looking for volunteers. And I volunteered there that summer. And I just fell in love with media. I fell in love with all the different jobs, all the possibility. Um, it just seemed like this giant world. And I was really eager to, to get into it. Was that like a summer cruiser personality for the news station? <laughs> so I didn't get the summer cruiser position until I came back from Fanshawe College. But no, I was, it was much more uh, ground level. I was, you know, pulling cables. I was cleaning. I was getting coffee. I was, they did give me a, a little VHS camera and I, I ran around and videotaped a bunch of nature. And then at night I edited it and I think it became a spot in the middle of the night. <laughs> but yeah, so not glamorous at all. When did it swing over to like celebrities and entertainment for you? Mm, I think it swung over to celebrities when uh, I worked in, so prior to Entertainment Tonight, I worked in <clears throat> in radio for a few years. I worked uh, in a newsroom as a camerawoman and a producer and then a writer, a helicopter switcher. And, and then I became just a general beat reporter and I was covering a lot more crime and I remember just and even as I talk about it like it kind of takes my breath away I I I don't know about you but I absorb people's energy and I can feel when people are sad or I I just it hits me differently um than I ever expected it to and so I would be doing these stories and I would be knocking on someone's door after they'd lost a loved one and I was asking for a picture so I could put it up on the 11 o'clock news and I could hear the crying of the families and I could, it, I felt it in my stomach. Like I could literally, it was, a, it was a physical feeling and I would go to crime scenes uh, and I would, you know, see the tarps over the bodies. And, and again, like I would just get a headache and I would, it was just very physical for me. And I, remember thinking there was one family I'd met and the daughter had been hit by a car and I went in to interview the mother and she was so grief stricken that she asked me to come in and sit down and she started to go through her daughter's closet and wanted to give me her clothes because she felt we, we were the same size and I just remember being so sick to my stomach and not being able to really separate that at that moment and I just knew that I, I needed a change. And so when opportunities for like what they call back then kicker stories would come up, I'd be like, I'll do it. First day of school. You want me to make a story out of first day of school? And then I just, I'd put my Saturday night live brain on and I'd be like, okay, what can we do with this? Like, how can we make this fun? What can we do? And I would go back to me and my sister making fun videos. And I'd think of creative ways to tell the story, add a little music, get funny clips of the kids. Like, and I really enjoyed doing that. And that just made, I could feel myself filling back up. And then when I saw other people's reactions to it, like it made them laugh or they smiled or they thought that, that was fun. I, I was like, no, making people happy. That's my thing. Making people connect over something positive. That's my thing. Um, my hat goes off to crime reporters, news reporters, uh, hard news anchors, um, because it is, one heck of a job, especially right now. I don't know how they're doing it, but I just knew that for me, I connected more in my soul 
when I saw that I was making people happy or, you know, giving them something to talk about. And that was the big change for me. That's where I knew I needed, I needed to go. No, I really feel that actually. I, I started off in broadcast journalism and ended up in music. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I used to live actually with a reporter from Global News and, you know, she would oh, come yeah. home some days and she covered some really heavy stories. And there's, there's such a, a maintenance in, in your self-care that is involved in recovering oh. just from your work day when you work in those roles, for sure. Absolutely. There is. And I, I, I think you just know if that is your your calling or your thing, or it's not. And for yeah. me, it was just not be yeah. doing crime was just not something I could, I could do. So with the ET Canada, you know, when you were getting into the public eye more, you know, becoming the a host of ET Canada is, uh, you know, it's a well-known position. And I would say that almost everyone in Canada would know who you are, um, in separating family life and public life and, and all of that. Do you remember those like first conversations maybe with your husband uh, about how that Do was going to go? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's still conversations that we have now. Um, my husband is incredibly protective of our kids and, and of me, but of our family. And when we first got together, I remember, um, a magazine wanted to do a, a photo shoot with my husband and I, and he was like, this is not my thing. Like I'm a director, I'm a producer. This is not, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. It's part of my life. Like, so he did, he's done a few photo shoots with me um, before the kids. And then we've had photo shoots with the kids in it. You know, I think his whole, and he, I, I'm grateful that he has this, this view. The kids have their own lives. Kevin has his own life this is my life. I've chosen to be public and open, but I have to give grace to my kids and to Kevin. Also, um, out of safety for the kids is a big thing. Um, cause I think that's another thing people don't often talk about in the media is that, um, there are some people who aren't, uh, super kind and you have to be very, you have to be careful also. And I don't give a lot of light to that, but so that's, that's, that's a real part of this business. And for the kids, I think that having their privacy, especially when they're babies, I took lots of pictures and posted about them and that kind of thing a little bit. But now if they are getting older and they're identifiable, you'll see less and less of my son on my social um, because he's 11 and it's his life. And what was cute two years ago, maybe teasable, a few years from now. And I want to make sure that I protect that for him, you know, for sure. And my daughter too. The way that you do share pieces of, of your life, you know, you talked about filling up your cup and now you have a couple other projects yeah. on the go that it seems as though there were other things calling you than just ET Canada. So tell me a little bit about the HGTV show and uh, Cheryl's home and family. Yeah. I mean, they both kind of coincide with each other. I think everything that I do um, starts and ends with family. It just does. And it always has. I've always gravitated towards stories that have to do with family or people who are very family oriented. And, and so when the opportunity for family home overhaul came up, um, I jumped at the chance because the idea of giving someone a overhaul when they need it most is and was the most exciting adventure. I mean, we did this show leading up to a global pandemic. And we had no idea that that was obviously going to happen. We had no idea that that was coming down the pipe. 
And when I think now that we changed eight families' lives right before the world shut down, knowing that they're in a safe, happy, comfortable, amazing home just gives me and our crew so much comfort during this time. I don't know if we're going to get to do the show again because of it's a hard show to shoot in a pandemic. But, you know, at the very least, um, we changed eight people's families and lives and did it at a time when they needed it most. And so I'll just hold on to that forever. I just mm-hmm. think that was just the greatest gift. Um, Cheryl's Home and Family, I created, um, you know, last March with uh, five business partners. And we had been planning the relaunch of this uh, two years ago. And we weren't sure if we were going to go ahead with it, but we decided that, yeah, this is the time to do it because all of our products are comfort products, weighted blankets, snuggle blankets for toddlers up to teens, to adults, uh, a breastfeeding pillow, teething, it's all products for comfort. And so we just decided that we were going to go forward and, and do it. And again, it has to do with family and comfort for the family. So it just, it sort of always made sense. I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur. My mom and I used to sit up when we couldn't sleep at night and we'd have a book where it was all ideas of things we wanted to create. And so being able to continue to do that in my adult years is just really exciting, you know? With or without the Whitney Houston soundtrack. (laughs) With or without the Whitney Houston soundtrack, but I still listen to it. So how, how does a normal day look for you with, with all these projects, right? So ET Canada, you're shooting, is it early afternoon? How does a day look yeah. in Cheryl Hickey's life now? Okay, so I wake up at 6.30. And first things first, um, I usually, I used to turn my phone on and go and figure out what's going on in the world. I don't do that anymore. I'm trying so um, hard to not do that now. Mm-hmm. No, first thing, I get my coffee. I have either... I'll, we'll get detailed here. I'll have a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. Then I'll have my coffee with oat milk. Then I'll go sit down and I will write out um, the things that I'm grateful for. And then I will go and wake my kids up. And um, I might watch a little bit of news, but we don't watch a lot of news in the morning right now. Um, just because uh, how the kids have been handling some of the news in the pandemic. We're just trying to keep it, keep it even here. Uh, then I get the kids all ready. Now that they're homeschooling, um, I just do breakfast and then we get everybody, I tell them they have to get dressed as though we're having a day. Occasionally on a Friday, we'll wear pajamas all day. But yeah. you know, if you, I, I'm a big believer, if you look good, you feel good. It's, it's, you put some energy into yourself. So we all get dressed, we brush our teeth, we make our beds, we do the things. And then they start on their day while they're just getting hooked up to learning, I'm usually on a call listening to the morning lineup of what's going on with our show. And when that's done, I will, if I have like 30 minutes to do emails, I'll do it on the treadmill. So trying to combine the two. And if I have an extra 30 minutes, I'll try and work out. So then uh, shower and usually have an interview or something going on in the morning or something like we're doing right now. And then uh, I will, I think we were shooting the show at 11, but I think we're now bumping that to one. So probably make the kids lunch, take them outside, get them some sort of activity. In between that, we're taking calls. We're doing voiceovers for the show. You just, you get it in where you can. A producer will write me and say, can you, can you do this deal right now? And you're in the middle of chopping carrots. Like, yep, yep, you go do that. And 
that's kind of how it goes. Then we shoot the show. Show's done. Usually interviews in the afternoon. Kids aren't at school right now, so I don't have to go and do the pickup. Usually end my day around three or four, depending on, again, everything's just up in the air. It's just, it's, it's whatever we need, we do. That's yeah. it. And then it's kids and when the kids go to bed or right after school, I will have meetings for Cheryl's Home and Family. I will do social media for Cheryl's Home and Family. Uh, you know, usually between the three and five mark is where I try to get some of the social media work in. Um, and then in the evening, evening, after the kids go to bed, um, I will sit down and look at the emails for Cheryl's home and family plan work do. And then I've got a couple other projects that I'm working on right now with some other partners. So I'm trying to get those going. So that usually happens starting at about nine o'clock at night. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I feel like it's so, com- it's so common that so many women in, in the industry are so driven, right? So the, there's things to do. Yeah. I think it's, it's drive and excitement. Like these are things, it's not, these are not things that I feel like I have to do. These are things I want to do. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love going to work at ET Canada every day, whether it is from home or at work. I love creating the things that I'm creating for Cheryl's home and family. And I'm super excited about the projects and things we have coming down the pipe. So it doesn't feel like work when you're really excited about something, you know? Oh, I hear that. Yeah. One of my friends said, I don't understand why you're starting a podcast. Like you're the busiest person I know, you know, in radio and you have two jobs right now. I'm, I'm doing some shifts uh, at Indy 88 while I'm working my full time at Sirius XM. And I said, well, it's because I think these stories need to be told and it's filling my cup. So that's exactly what it's about. That's it. Right. Like you, you know what you're good at and you know what works for you and you're having fun doing it. So why not do more of it? Right. Yeah. So there's, there's something to be said about uh, your employer having your back and with what the little that you've shared about what's going on with uh, your dad over the last year and how ET Canada has sort of pivoted to the work from home in such a seamless way. Like the show still looks great. You wouldn't really know all that stuff going on behind the scenes. How were those early conversations in the pandemic to make this work? Shooting from home and all that. Oh, listen, we were all shot out of a cannon. I think like everybody else, I think we were down, I think off air running holiday shows, maybe for a week, maybe two weeks. But yeah, I mean, I've got the easy job, to be honest. Our editors, our producers, everybody who had to like they has to physically put you know our graphics guys all of those people really had to figure it out quickly our tds our technicals our cameramen those were the ones who you know were up all night really trying to figure it out yeah sure i had to figure out how to put up a light tried to figure out the schedule with the families it's figuring out when the kids come in and they need you and they need to know that you're always there for them. That's the thing that makes them feel secure through all this craziness, um, but still be able to do my job. And um, we still put a great show on every night, um, but the incredible amount of work that's gone on behind the scenes with our technical crew, like they're the heroes out of this. Yeah. And um, yeah, it took a lot of adjustment, but we're here and our ratings have gone up. People are loving the show. Um you know, they, they let us into their home every night, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just super grateful, you know? And like I said, off the top, you know, you do a really good job of keeping things positive when you may not 
be feeling that way at all inside. It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. Actually, better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. Being in the spotlight and, and literally lights, camera, action every day for you, how, how do you put that face on every day? I think it's a choice. I think there are, listen, there are times when I have a good cry, for sure. You have to let the air out of the tire. You'll burst if you don't. But I think I'm making a choice to look at the things that we do have as opposed to things that we don't. Listen, there's a lot of bad stuff. My dad's in long-term care. He got COVID. Uh, my mom has to have double hip surgery. Like there's a bunch of stuff. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, my brother had a heart attack at Christmas. Uh, and I, and he shouldn't have survived, but he did and grateful. So I could look at all those things and go, holy cow, this last 10 months, but I'm choosing to look at it going, holy cow, my dad survived COVID. My brother survived what they call the widow maker. My mom's getting two new hips. So I'm changing the narrative in my head to the good. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding by doing that, I'm still acknowledging that those things are scary but I'm acknowledging the good out of them. And those are where I'm shining the light. And I'm finding that the more that I do that, the better I feel and the better I feel around my kids, because if I'm good, they're good. And Mm -hmm. I only hurt more when I see them hurting. And I've been reading a lot of books to get there. Like there's been things I've been doing. I've been meditating with a guy named Glenn Harold for like three years, but I've really upped my my meditation game, certainly in the last year. Um, Reading some great books. Where are they? I've been reading... The Superhuman, I've been reading The Super Attractor. I've oh, I've got reading... that one. Yeah, it's great, right? I've been reading The Secret. I've been reading um, Jay Shetty's book. Like, there's a lot of books that talk about, you know, how you see things. I, yeah. think, I think that's the answer. I know. I, I don't know. Earlier in your career, were the tools uh, that you might have been using for self-care, mental health, uh, different than they are now? Like you mentioned the you know, gratitude journal, it sounds like, and your morning routine. I would say it's, it's certainly gotten bigger. Um, but my mom always did that. My mom was always very glass half full. She was always teaching us that you're, you're in control of your mind. So those were always things that we did when we were younger. And then certainly in 2009, when, you know, sort of Oprah really started to talk about the secret and mind over matter and really understanding the brain and, and, and how we think and how we act and how we treat people. I was really drawn to all of that. And so I've really been 
you know, doing a lot of that over the years. But again, in this last year, um, I've really gone deeper into that. And I found that it's been incredibly helpful. Yeah, I think I'm just at the beginning of that journey because uh, I, I did a lot of avoiding before the pandemics, you know, staying really busy. Because that worked. Because that worked. Yeah. And, and in this industry, it's very easy to keep your calendar completely packed and not give yourself any time to reflect on what has gone on in your life. Right. So, yeah, I think I'm just at the beginning of, of that journey, but it's certainly helping and trying to take all those things a little more seriously. Um, you mentioned Oprah. Was, was she one of your biggest moments in your career? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that Oprah, 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 listen, every day at 4.30, I, like everyone else, loved watching her because it really felt like you would watch her show and you would finish watching her show and you learned something that you were going to try and use in your life that day. I miss those days. I miss that day, those, that kind of television where she talked to like the Dalai Lama. She talked to the Jim Quicks, like people like that. Um, and then she had the splash of celebrity in there. And, and, and I loved that. And then meeting her. What was that like? Oh my God. Oh, I was shaking. I was so nervous. And ex- it wasn't nervous. I was just so excited. And I remember the first time I met her, I actually had um, the flu or was getting over the flu, which you would never do now. You would never go to an interview not feeling well. But back then, you just you just went. You just did it. So I wasn't feeling very well. And I remember thinking, geez, had I been feeling really, really good, I probably would have worked myself up and been more nervous. But because I was focusing on just like, oh, I don't feel good. I was way less stressed. So, but meeting her was amazing. She gave me the big old Cheryl, okay. And then this big, big monster hug. Um, And her energy is just, just, you can feel it vibrating off of her. And the second time I met her, the same when she when she talks to you she dials into you she listens to your question like she really listens and gives a different answer like I was in a line with a bunch of different reporters and she gave different answers to sometimes the same question she would just think about it differently such a pro um so she's so thoughtful and intentional uh and a pro you're right is there one woman that you would say made you want to get into media I mean, listen, I think it was a good combination of like Barbara Walters, Oprah Winfrey, those two women, I would say, were really influential. And I was lucky enough to interview both of them. And they're incredible. What did you ad- admire about them? What were those those pieces of them? So Oprah, we've talked about Barbara Walters. Maybe you can speak about um, Barbara Walters. I really loved how she would listen. She was a great listener in an interview. And then if something, someone said something, she'd pin it and let that person go on and on and on and on where they were going. But then she'd go right back and she'd dig back into that. So she never lost her thread. And I found that to be really incredible. Oprah, I would say it was her compassion and her ability to think past the question. She would think 360. How did that make that person feel? What does that mean? What does it mean for the future? What, like there was a lot going on in an Oprah question. Um, and for me, I thought that was pretty fascinating. I honestly don't even think I realized how much was going on in an Oprah question until that Meghan Markle. Um, and right. Like what, what an interview, what an interview. That was a lesson for all journalists who are, you know, journalism nerds. That was a lesson. That was a masterclass. That was incredible. 
hopefully they're showing that in schools for years to come. It's yeah. just, it was brilliant. And it really was the art of listening too. It's, we can have our questions written down, um, but the best interviewers are one that listen and find those nuggets, you know, yeah, totally. that's, that's, that's the ticket. So if you were talking to Fanshawe College tomorrow, you know, to their students, what would be your best piece of advice that you'd want to pass on to um, those up and comers in the industry right now? Don't listen to people when they say it's the most difficult time to get into the business. Every year, people tell you it's the most difficult time to get in the business. They did that when I was in school. And I remember someone saying that to me before. And to it's me. always hard. And to you, I'm sure they did. It's the, everything's condensed, television is dying, and so is radio. Listen, I, I don't think TV's going anywhere. The pieces of the pie are getting smaller and they're changing for sure. If anything, it is, it, you have more opportunity now because the landscape is so wide and so, so big. My best piece of advice would be find your voice, find what makes you tick, and then start creating. Don't wait for a network job. Don't wait for the pinnacle job. Start creating now. The internet is your friend. That's what you need. And um, I would also say be incredibly mindful about your digital footprint. That means your texts. That means your emails. That means your social media. That means your YouTube. Because that stuff doesn't go away. And that will change your life. So I think that a lot of people in college and university, when they're recording all the videos at parties and doing all your things, yep. think about it. Think about it. Um, it's really important. And um, be authentic. I think that's the other thing. Yeah. Do you remember a, a piece of advice that someone gave you that stuck with you? Something someone said to you a long time ago? Yeah, I think my it's my mom's one. And she's like, don't borrow worries from tomorrow. Ugh. It's the biggest one. I love that. I love you know, that. it's just, you can't. I saw this great thing where someone took an hourglass sand timer and they flipped it upside down. And they said, if you look at life like that, the sand that's already here in the bottom is the sand that's already gone by. If we keep focusing on things that are already gone, you're missing living in that moment. All that sand's going and you're just wasting time looking back. So sure, look back find out the lesson and then get back in the present as soon as possible, you know? Completely. What is the moment that you are most proud of in your career? The moment I'm most proud of in my career. Hmm. I think there's a couple top points. I think getting the job at ET Canada was a big one. I was told out of the gate that I wouldn't be getting the job, uh, that they didn't want someone like me. And so I'd fully accepted that I wasn't getting the job. Someone like you, like who says that? They didn't want someone that people knew. They wanted to start fresh. And, and I was like, yep, get it. And I was just then, you know, you get your brain into like, okay, so what am I going to, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to go? And they came back and they said, you know, with all of your qualifications and all the things that they said, they said, we'd like to offer you the job. So I was really grateful and shocked and surprised and um obviously very happy to to take the job uh, and to get to work with the team that I got to work with I was really excited so that was that was a big deal 
um, certainly coming from Owen Sound, knowing nobody, you know, in this industry, Toronto seems so scary. Um, all of it, like it just, it was wild. So that was a big moment for sure. Um, and then I think hosting family home overhaul, you know, getting to look into those families' eyes and knowing that we were changing their lives, like really changing their lives. And, and it was so personal for them, each one of them. So I think those, those eight moments were the biggest, you know? Yeah. What yeah. about one of your toughest moments in the spotlight? Because one of the things I'm so intrigued with with this podcast is when a woman has to recover from a moment and rebuild from a moment, people are watching, people are listening. Yeah, my, my most difficult. I don't like to give much light to this, but um, there was a person who um, went after my family because they were convinced that we were going to be husband and wife and they were very fixated on me and they went after and went to my parents' house and, you know, they were subsequently arrested and put away and all that sort of thing. And I think that that for me, understanding that my personal safety had changed based on me being a public person became really scary. And I think realizing that I had now put my whole family in that situation was very hard. And then when that person got out of jail, having to live with that fear of, okay, well, what is it? Well, what's, what's that, you know? So, and then you have to go on air and pretend like nothing's happening and everything's fine and everything's good and be confident and all those things. Um, I really struggled with that for a long time and it gave me great anxiety. Um, and even, so yeah, so that was a really, really big one. That was very pivotal for me. Yeah. It's really hard to explain that piece because I don't want to give a lot of light to those behaviors, but something is really taken from a person, your personal safety when, when that happens and you just never really get it back, that innocence, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that for me, it still sticks with me. It's still here. It's still here. Yeah. You I know? think, I think in, in not giving it light, I, I think we pivot that to be, uh, what is the, what's the lesson learned and how you came out of that situation. And, you know, so, now you have a different perspective on how you want to separate the two spaces. Right. Yeah, I guess you're right. What, what did I learn from that? That I'm, I'm fiercely protective of my family. I always have been, but, uh, if you don't see their face on an Easter post or a Christmas post, um, there's a reason for me not doing that. Um, I'm proud of them and I'll show you their feet sometimes and occasionally you see their face, but I'm really, really protective and that's why. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine going through something like that. I mean, I've had, you know, a couple you know. scary listener situations over the years and, you know, like, when your face is all over a website, you're recognized at the gas station. The first time that someone approached me at the gas station, I was dumbfounded. I remember uh, it was in mm -hmm. London, Ontario. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. like early, early when social media was just taking off and yeah, being, being in the public space comes with great responsibility sometimes too. There does. And I think for women, especially it's different. I know we can say all day long that it's, it's the same for men as it is for women, but there's just, it's a little different. 
And um, yeah, so I'm very, um, when it comes to, you know, even teaching my kids about digital responsibility now, I just hammer it into their head about understanding that your privacy is your privacy. Mm-hmm. So Mm-hmm. As such a prominent figure in uh, in Canadian media, how has your experience been as a woman in comparison to men? Oh gosh, it's, there were really hard times for sure. I can remember being a camera woman in Toronto and being down at the courthouse and trying to get into a scrum and nobody would let me in. So I would crawl underneath all the men's legs and pop up in the middle of the scrum to be able to get my shot. You know, and I, I remember it being, oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. People were supportive. But I was always looked at, and I know, I knew it. With, oh, look at that. How cute. Don't oh, call cute. me cute. I'm getting right? the story. I'm getting the story. Right. Yeah. Right. So that that happened a lot. Um, yeah. And I think that sometimes when you use your voice, it can be you can be seen as sometimes difficult if you speak up and someone doesn't like the way you said it. Because if a man said it that way, it'd be okay. But if a woman said it that way, she's being difficult. So, yeah, I think myself and all the women in media who've come up and paved the way, we've all dealt with that. Um, And you just, I think, you know, we found ways around around that and continued anyway. That's just Mm -hmm. what you do. Totally. Uh, in women sharing the the media space, even, you know, I, I watched uh, you go on um, City with Tracy Moore the other yeah. day. I really love and respect how even women from different networks make sure that they're sharing stories from each other's lives. Has there been a moment where you felt a change with that? Because I know early in my career, I felt a little more threatened and now I'm all about sharing, you know, I've I've gone on that journey. I think for a really long time, it was the executives who wanted to keep all of us separated. And then I think all of us women, this generation of broadcasters were like, no, 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 no. We support each other. We're going to rise, like raise each other up. That's what we do. And I think that, um, we all did it in tandem with each other. And so it just happened. It just happened like a wave and I'm grateful for it. I think I'm friends with all the women in media. We all support each other, especially with the women with the side hustles. I mean, you know, you have to support and elevate each other. And I just, I think it's so important to be there for each other. Um, especially during this time, this is here to stay. For sure. Someone else's success is, you know, is something we should all get excited about, you know, because it's, it means that we're moving in the right direction, really. I truly feel that way too. I'm trying to get everyone to nominate three women that their stories need to be told on this podcast. So mm-hmm. who are your three? I would say Tracy Moore from CityLine. I think Tracy is um, just so incredible. Her journalism journey is so rich and so incredible. And especially what she's done in this last year, um, really creating such a beautiful platform for change, um, is, is one that needs to be celebrated and talked about more. Um, Tracy Malshore is a woman who I think has, has dealt with so much adversity and has been, you know, very vocal about, um, grief and how to face it and has given people such uh, peace and um, understanding. And there's just such a beautiful, again, grace 
in that. Farah Nasser, I think, who is the news anchor for Global News, um, when you look at a consummate professional and a woman in, in journalism, and you look at everything that she has had thrown her way and how she rides that wave, I think she would be fascinating to talk to, especially to see how she's managing to navigate this pandemic world and then share it with everyone else and 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 separate it and come home and be able to be safe within her herself. Um, I think that would be a fascinating story. There's so many women doing like pretty wild things in the entertainment industry. And if you think of entertainment as sports, music, you know, all of that, you're going to go on forever. Your pond is just forever full. I can't believe that this wasn't being done. Well, this is great. If you ever need more names, just call me and I will give you more because there's tons that I could think of that would be, I'm excited for you. So good. So much to do. (laughs) Thank you. Well, like I said before, I just want to wrap by saying, you know, I completely admire how real you are keeping it. Uh, You know, when it's not a good day, it's not a a good day. Everyone has those days and it's not all just celebrities and sparkles. You know, these are humans. It's not. That's right. Well, thank you for doing this. I know you're so busy and and then you're taking this podcast on. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Thank you. I just want to tell more of these stories. I think it's awesome. Congratulations. It's really easy to make assumptions about women in media based on what we see and what's public facing. But as Cheryl demonstrates, there's a lot more to the story. If you haven't yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And that way you'll know when I have a new episode up. You can also follow along at Women in Media Pod on Instagram and Twitter for news and updates or Facebook.com slash Women in Media Pod. My next guest is an award-winning Indigenous artist and radio host. Thank you so much for listening. Consider passing this episode along to someone you think needs to hear it. And until next episode, I'm Sarah Burke. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.